Hello everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast. Kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Welcome to another episode of the Business Success and Coffee podcast. Today, I'm joined by Taylor, who is sat in what for me is a very envious 90 plus degrees Texas. Uh, We're sort of sweltering here in the UK at sort of low 80s, which I'm sure, Taylor, you would love to have that coolness that we have, which we're calling a mini heat wave here. Glad to have you on today's podcast. Simon, thanks so much for having me. I would switch places with you in a second. I'm, uh, I'm getting pretty tired of the 100 degree weather on my end, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that that is something that, yeah, summer here in the UK has been pretty grey, pretty boring, um, no real exciting points, highs or lows. So, uh, yeah, I'd love something like that. But tell the listeners a little bit about you, your business, and and any kind of backstory. Give us a little bit of an introduction. Of course, yeah. Uh, So Taylor Hurson, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Eden Data. Uh, We're actually a virtual CISO firm for startups around the world. And so what we do is we offer a subscription service to startups and companies that are starting to migrate into the cloud and offer uh, the ability for them to basically outsource all of their security, compliance, and data privacy uh, to professionals such as myself. Um, we've got a team of about 14 um, and we're all mostly big four um, and have sold our souls to the corporate uh, world before yeah. finding a better way to offer a consulting service that doesn't live and die by the hourly model. Um, so I, I, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I'm former big four myself, uh, worked for Deloitte for a number of years and then I was a chief security officer before realizing that I could start my own company and build a better way. Um, I also sit on CompTIA's Cybersecurity Council um, as a board member um, and am an advisor for various startups. And I know we're going to talk about this uh, later, and I'm sure I'm going to dig deeper into this. But that's an interesting thing that you said there about for startups, because I'm sure many listeners, when they think about data and they think about security, that's not something that people normally have a business that focus on on startups. Is there a particular reason and a particular mission behind that? That's such a great question. I think that um, the success was accidental in that I wanted to work with startups because I've always been a entrepreneur and was inspired by other startups and just wanted to interact with cool founders that were doing things that I thought were way cooler than myself. I started as just ad hoc consulting. And that's when I stumbled upon the fact that, well, actually startups are, one, they're pretty amazing to work with. And two, this is still a very big need um, in the startup community. I think there's been a lot of companies that have tried and and unsuccessfully been able, uh, have have not been successful in trying to serve startups because of the volatility, because of um, the, the, I guess, fast pace, for lack of a better term, and because they look at the business model quite differently from your average SMB or, or enterprise. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm glad you've given us a bit of an oversight. So that's set the scene of where some of the questions might go a little bit later. But let's go to the first question about what coffee we drink uh, and why. So tell us a little bit about the coffee that you drink and why during a normal working day. 
Absolutely. Um, I have become a little bit of a coffee diva since uh, we got a espresso machine for Christmas. I have been completely hooked on making a latte every day. Um, and the bean that I'm drinking is actually from down the road. We have a, a really cool company called Rogue American here in, in, uh, in Austin, Texas, and they do all kinds of funny uh, coffee blends and they, uh, they just have delicious coffee. They also roast it in a unique way, I guess. Um, okay. I, making it sound like I know what the heck I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I want to be clear to the listeners that I don't. Um, I'm also doing a monthly coffee subscription. There's some pretty cool services here in the U.S. at least that allow for you to get a couple bags of coffee sent to you every on a cadence of your choosing from different roasters around the nation. Um, so I just started doing that as well. Yeah. And that's something that's just starting to take off here in the UK a little bit. Uh, there's not too much choice. So, you know, the big ones that are doing that are Nespresso. They they do a pod subscription and there are some. There's always been tea. For some reason, tea companies and tea distributors have always had some kind of subscription service, but not coffee. Interesting. I don't know why, I don't know why the big people haven't picked up on that. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's something that really is only just starting here in the UK. So it's good to hear that it's got some, some good traction over there. I think it's such a, it's a genius service. I think it's cool to be able to support the small roasters anywhere around the nation. Hopefully that takes off at a much bigger scale in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So you mentioned latte. Is, is that your favorite way to take coffee or is there any, any particular favorite where if it's a special treat, what would you have? Yeah, typically I make the same coffee every time and it's it's my ultimate favorite. I, it used to be that that this was my favorite, but I couldn't make it at home. Now I can make it at home, but it's a breve latte. So meaning I use half and half instead of just traditional whole milk. Um, yeah. And then I do like, a, um, I'm, I'm pretty big on um, supplements. And so I'll add like mushroom powder to my coffee, cinnamon to my coffee um, and cocoa powder. So I, I get a little weird with it, but, uh, again, I promise I'm no coffee savant. It just, I got that, uh, unique blend and it's been delicious and I have it every day in my life. Yeah. So I've, I've got to ask a question then because, you know, we've had listeners, um, raise questions about mushroom coffee. Cause we've had a couple of guests talk about, you know, rather than a, you know, a, a cocoa bean actually having, uh, you know, a, a mushroom based coffee. And I'm with you on the cinnamon and the cocoa powder. You know, that, that's a good thing for me. But adding mushroom powder as a supplement, what, what does that bring to the coffee? I, I'm, I'm struggling as a listener probably as well. What kind of taste does that bring to the coffee when you add it as, a, as an addition like that? Thankfully, there's not any real flavor attached to it. So it's, okay. it does not bring any additional flavor to the uh, coffee. And so that would be the only if it messed up the taste of my my uh treasured yeah. latte there's no way in heck I would. <laughs> so it's more about the nutrients that it brings as as the mushroom as a supplement then rather than actually in addition to the taste exactly so they have a variety of mushroom powders based on kind of what you want to to focus on there's the brain health there's immunity support there's all those different kinds yeah, and stuff. Yeah, sure. i just get on amazon and pick the one that i want and i i can add a couple different blends to my coffee without changing the flavor yeah we had a, a guest uh, right at the beginning of this podcast series probably about episode six or seven who actually went to mushroom coffee because his wife uh was having treatment for a brain tumor a cancerous brain tumor and the as you say the the properties of the mushroom uh created a massive difference in her recovery and her you know eventually being declared sort of in remission and cancer free wow. and ringing the bell there 
Uh, and he attributes that to this advice to drink huge amounts of mushroom coffee. You know, that's um, incredible. Yeah. So, you know, the effects and the benefits of, of mushroom are, are so understated, I think. I, I agree. I think it's finally starting to come out into the, the wellness community as a whole, um, as a, as a great supplement to, to add to your regimen. Yeah. yeah. So you gave us an oversight of, of the business. How, how long's the business been trading? We have been around for just over a year. We just hit our year mark last uh, month. Great. Well done. So a difficult year then, a really difficult time to, to start business, also an exciting time for, for many and particularly in the industry that you're in. So what's been the latest or most significant thing that you have worked on or developed in the business during that time? I would say that the biggest thing or, or the thing I'm most proud of, at least, that made the biggest impact was how we onboard our customers. So I've been very obsessive about how we offer our service in general um, yep. But because we came up with this subscription model, because we're we're getting rid of this hourly model and it, it, there was an inherent learning curve for our customers to understand our new model, um, there was some trial and error with how we actually offered the service, how we onboarded our customers. Um, and we were able to come up with some really cool ways to be able to make that experience more streamlined and to give the customers all the information they need to know about what we plan on doing in the next one month, three months, six months and beyond. So I think it's important for customers, particularly in today's climate, to see that, that future journey laid out in front of them. What, what kind of difference has that onboarding and looking at the modeling of how you've done, what kind of difference has that made to the customers? What kind of feedback have you had from them? So we actually have, as part of the onboarding process, a, uh, a survey of sorts that the, the customer fills out. And in that, they okay. actually have the opportunity to rate our onboarding service. And so we've been able to take that feedback and apply it in future iterations and have gotten it to the point to where now every customer we're onboarding is giving us the highest possible score. If, if someone gives us anything less, then we'll revisit it. But uh, we, we made sure to build in a mechanism to where we could constantly rate ourselves I think people are scared to, to ask people what they think of their service or of their, their experience in general. Um, Absolutely. And, so, and, and I would say we're a culprit of that sometimes too. I think I would love to incorporate that scoring mechanism into every single month of our service. Um, yeah. We haven't gotten there yet, but the, the, the start has been in how we onboard. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. And you know, I've been scared myself in all, all the businesses I've had about asking for feedback too early. And I think a lot of the listeners will probably say, yeah, we get feedback when they're an established customer. And generally it's because they feel happy that the feedback's gonna be good. Right. Asking for feedback during onboarding, wow, that is a real bold move because you know, what kind of relationship have you built? What kind of proof of delivery have you established for people to be able to comment on it? And yeah, that's a very volatile situation to ask for feedback and yeah i'm glad that you've taken that step because you're right absolutely scary territory is there anything that you would say to the listeners that might help them overcome that fear of asking for feedback early because i think that's that's the key isn't it feedback of any sort is scary but asking for it early is absolutely terrifying anything that you would say to them I would say the first thing is that you need to have acceptance in the fact that there is no way your company can succeed unless you're getting feedback from your customers about mm -hmm. your service, because otherwise you're never 
going to know when to improve and when to adjust. And so accepting that, first of all, is a great step in the right direction. I think secondly, it's just a, a good way of looking at this is a, is a mindset perspective that if you're getting feedback and you're changing these things, like there is a, you're improving your service, you're enhancing um, your, your customer loyalty, you're enhancing your ability to serve future customers. So it's all net positive. It's not like a, a negative thing. I think people just don't like to hear criticism and, and that's human nature. I hate it as well. Um, and you can disagree with what the customer says. You can take it with a grain of salt. I think that their yeah. customers will always have opinions and not all of them are great, but it does give you a mechanism to be able to evaluate the credibility of some of that feedback. Yeah. I, I just want to dig into this a little bit deeper because this, this is so important, um, particularly with the type of service that you offer to get that initial feedback. Is there anything that you see in the behavior of customers during this onboarding process, particularly with the service that you offer, that stands out as being something that surprised you or something that is absolutely exceptional that you've noticed in the way that people behave during this onboarding process? Is there anything that stood out for you? So I want to make sure I understand the, the question. So mm, please. Uh, you, you're asking as part of that onboarding process, is there anything yeah. in, in your, you're asking for the, the customer's perspective on what's. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you've seen in customers that has stood out and that you've seen them because of the way that you've onboarded them, that they have either embraced something particularly well, they've reacted to something particularly uh, well, or that they have just absolutely done an amazing job of whatever you've asked them to do as part of that onboarding process because getting into their data getting into their security is quite a a, a sort of a, an opening of the pandora's box for many businesses as well isn't it or it might be something new to them so yeah anything at all that's just stood out with with the customers it's such a wonderful question no that, that was deep simon i like it a lot yeah uh, yeah so i think that one of the biggest things that the net positive that i saw by doing this altered process with them and the onboarding that ended up benefiting us from the customer perspective is that we set realistic expectations. I think a lot of times customers will, will say, oh, I need security and I don't know a darn thing about security. And so they'll, they'll sign up for a service that they may not have full understanding of what they're getting. And then there is nothing but negativity and animosity later on down the line because they had the expectation that they were getting one thing and you provided them another. By having a stellar onboarding process to where we are asking them a bunch of questions and we have a bunch of resources provided to them at the beginning of the engagement, it reduces the likelihood that that will happen. Um, I will also say that in terms of the the onboarding process as a whole, we actually give them that survey that I mentioned at the beginning. It has a lot of questions about uh, things like, why did you contact us in the first place? Like, what is the service that you're, you are looking for? What keeps you up at night as the decision maker? Yeah. We ask that explicit question, in fact. Um, so we give them an opportunity to put their hearts out and in a form that nobody's sitting there or looking over their shoulder, they're able to just type out their thoughts. Yeah. And then that form is automatically attached to our project management tool. And so our virtual CISOs that end up serving that customer in actually get access to that form and can see okay. all the thoughts and processes of that founder that filled out the form. And so um, there is a much better synergy between the two parties prior to the engagement starting 
um, because of that exercise. Yeah. And I think for the listeners, that is really, really important. And I was talking to a client just this morning who has the potential of losing and missing out on a multi-million pound deal that has already been secured, but might get pulled back. And they said, I don't know what we could have done better. And the missing link that you've just touched on right there, Taylor, is the, the synergy of the expectations. And that yeah. is something, I, you know, the, the missing link for me is you spent no time at all. You were so happy to grab the order and run with the order. You spent very little time as a business you know, and the person that dealt with that process is no longer in the business, but as a business spent so much time actually trying to get the order rather than trying to work out what the expectations were. And now the expectations are polarizing to the point where they could lose that customer. So I think oh, I love the way you said that, because that's absolutely a great example of how that works for you. And I, I think we have a big problem as a whole in the professional community of, of taking ownership. I think ownership is also another big component of all of this in that whether it's an onboarding process or six months down the line, there is inevitably going to be a miscommunication. Um, yes. So being able to address that miscommunication, not running from it, and being able to take ownership when you as a company made a mistake everybody makes a mistake, but there seems to be like this stigma that vendors think that they have to give the persona that they're perfect every time. Um, and we screw up all the time. We will screw up and we'll talk to our customers about it and say, we made a mistake. This is how we're going to make it right. We'll do things like send cookies and go the extra mile to, to say like, Hey, we are sorry. Um, but I don't know why a lot of people just have, uh, this problem with taking, ownership of of the process both when it's going well and when it's not going well and and that's the the other side of the coin the fear of getting feedback isn't it because you know the fear of getting feedback is one thing and what the customers are going to say the other side of the coin and i think you're absolutely right is now i've got it i've got to do something about it agree I've, I've got to make a difference and that's that's also something that they're worried about so from a point of view of the services that you provide. And obviously we've seen a huge change in the way that people have used data and technology. What would you say to the listeners it has been a, a common theme that you've seen among startup businesses that they've needed or that they've wanted? Is it been sort of something that stood out as, you know, yes, more people wanted this particular service or that particular product? You know, what, what would you say has been something that's been a common theme? I would say that by far, uh, startups are the, the businesses that seem to want to use security to enhance their ability to sell to customers, whether it's to more customers or to enterprise customers. Um, there are demands being made by their prospects and their customers to maintain minimum security compliance. So far and above, we get contacted about like SOC 2 certification or in y'all's yeah. neck of the woods, ISO 27001 is a big deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed that you knew that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we, we do a lot in both those spaces. And then uh, more importantly, I think it's cool that there are a lot of startups coming to us and saying, we know that we suck at security and we want to fix that. What can you do to help us? And so there is this general need for better security and this acknowledgement that it doesn't currently exist. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, isn't it, that startups seem to realize that if they want to get the work from people who need the certification and the accreditation, they realize they've got to go out and get it. I find lots of established businesses are always trying to look for a way around it. How can we get on this supply chain list without actually having that certification? 
Um, is, is there anything from a point of view of the service that you give, uh, any tips that you want to share? Is there anywhere where people could go to find out more, not just about your business, right. but about some of the things that they need to be thinking about? Because this is such an important area. Yeah, I think that um, in terms of resources in general, um, I, I would say our, our website doesn't even do a great job of, of providing the, the resources that a business needs to understand. Uh, these are the things I need to do uh, at a bare minimum sure. in order to, to start this security journey. It's something we're working on. We've got a new website going live, but I think more macro than that is um, there are a lot of great um, we, we actually have a few partners that put out a lot of great resources, blog posts and whatnot. So I, I would point out a couple of them. Tugboat Logic is one. Um, they have a whole blog series and it talks about everything from why you need SOC 2 certification or ISO 27001 to um, what overlap is there between all of these security programs to how can you use security to sell into more enterprise um, I will say I, I put out content on my LinkedIn and would love to connect with people to, to provide those resources because they don't exist in a centralized area, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's a great question, Simon. I think it's a part of the issue in the security world in general is people don't know where they know that security is a problem, but they don't know where to go to start getting their answers. Yeah. Yeah. And your LinkedIn profile, um, Taylor, T A. Y-L-O-R, and then your last name or your family name is H-E-R-S-O-M. That's the best way of finding you on LinkedIn? It is, yep. Will, will there be 10 versions of you on there if we search for you? Or is there, there better not be. <laughs> No, okay. I, I don't think so. I uh, haven't found many Taylor Hersoms out there in the, in the world, so I think I'm the only one on LinkedIn. Yeah, and when they're looking for you and they find you, just in case there is no one, uh, the business name again, if you can just give it to the listeners. Oh, of course, Eden Data. So E D E N Data, um, and the the URL is EdenData.com, um, and we also have a page on LinkedIn. Great, perfect. So we know how to find you, and and yeah, Tugboat. What did you call it? Tugboat oh, Tugboat. Logic. Yeah, Tugboat Logic is wow. the the name of the company. They uh, provide a software around. Uh, it's called GRC, Governance, Risk, and Compliance. But they have a tremendous blog page that provides all Fantastic. sorts of resources. Fantastic. So. We'll check you, check you out on LinkedIn, go to your website and have a look at uh, Tugboat Logic as well. I think we'll all remember that, listeners, won't we? Tugboat Logic. So if, if you could give the, the listeners, Taylor, um, a tip or a lesson that perhaps they can use in their own business, whether that be uh, you know, a, a business that provides services or products, what, what kind of list, lesson or tip would you like to give the listeners today? Oh, I, I could give all sorts. I, this is a, such a great question. And I, I want to, since I have just one piece of advice to give, I would probably say, uh, I would imagine that a lot of your listeners either are starting a company or are managing a company and are wondering how to take it to the next level. I would say the first thing is, is that understanding that nobody truly has it figured out and that there is not a, um, there is not a, a playbook out there for how to run your business a certain way. So being able to understand that and being able to be willing to take any sort of risk and test things out. Um, Eden Data started on Upwork.com. Like Upwork is a freelance agency. I went out and I did consulting services by the hour. Then I realized, oh, this could be a business model. 
Then I started my LLC. Then I started signing a couple of clients, but it was very gradual. And I certainly didn't go into Upwork with the expectation that I was going to start a huge cybersecurity company. Um, yeah. So I, I would say that, um, that that folks should definitely accept the fact that that nobody really has it figured out and to take those risks and get your, it, it's certainly okay to, to try new things. I would say the other big thing that I've learned, and I, I know you said one, Simon, I'm going to slip yeah, this yeah, no, keep going. real quick, um, <laughs> is that hiring people is one of the hardest things you will ever do. Um, I can give advice from personal experience. Make sure you surround yourself and have the right people on the bus and not be afraid to make adjustments to those, yeah. to those people as needed. It's one of the hardest things that you'll ever have to do as a business owner, uh, hiring and firing, but it is critical to have the right people on the bus, especially when you're a smaller company, yeah. because it exacerbates your culture, your client expectations, your um, interactions, just in general with external and internal parties. And it, and it has a huge impact on the company far longer than that person is on the, on the bus. So, so important. I'm going to ask you to share one other thing in a, in a second as well. And I think you're absolutely right. And I remember one of my very early coaches in, in the sort of late nineties telling me some wise words I use with so many clients now, hire slowly, fire quickly. Yep. It's take your time, so, get the right people. And if they're not right, get rid of them quickly. Agreed. It, yeah. it, that, that advice is, is paramount uh, yeah. for any business owner. And, and it's one of the hardest things to do, especially if you are a people person and a pleaser. And yeah, I, sure. I would put myself in that category, but it's yeah. just the necessary part of the business. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to ask you to give a third tip then away. Okay. Um, for listeners that, don't think about data and don't think about security. And I can tell you, it's probably going to be about 95%, 96% of the people listening to this podcast right now. And, you know, and I take my, my security, you know, I've got routers and checkpoint routers and firewalls set up and security taken very, very seriously, phishing emails and all sorts. Look after my data because I keep people's data you know, and I take it very, very seriously. But I know lots of people out there don't and they think it will never happen to them and they're worried generally about where to start. So if you could give the listeners something to get them started, something either data-wise or security-wise that they could do tomorrow or this week, as you know, whenever this podcast is going to go out there, what, what would you get them to do when it comes to data or security? Okay, I'll give three quick tips because okay, two of great. them are super quick explanations. One of them is go get a password manager right now. There's LastPass, Keeper, One Login, Dashlane. There's all sorts of uh, password managers out there. Yep. Using password manager is one of the biggest ways you can make a huge impact in security, just locking in your passwords behind a vault. Um, yep. The second one, antivirus on your computer. Uh, we all are working remote and inherently connecting to sketchy Wi-Fi all over the world. Yeah. Um, and so being able to protect that endpoint is paramount. And then the third one that would, depending on your setup, is going to take a little longer, is start to think about migrating your things to the cloud. And when I say that, I mean, if you have a server in your closet right now, think about putting that in, in uh, AWS or GCP or, or one of the more boutique firms. Sure. Um, if you're keeping files uh, in your desk, uh, think about keeping digital copies of those things 
um, making sure that you are keeping customer data in a secure location online. So Google Drive or um, having some kind of share file system that's password protected and has appropriate access yeah. management. I would highly encourage people to start embracing that we're all going cloud and that we all have some sort of data that needs to be protected. So we call it the family jewels on our end. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's that's the three pieces I would give. Yeah. Perfect. And, and great tips. And yes, thankfully, I can check each of those three things. So that's great. And one nice. other thing I would share with the listeners, you know, I've had businesses where I've had servers. Uh, I've spent huge amounts of money on tape backups, raid drives. You know, I'm using some of the terms. I don't understand them. A bit like you mentioned with coffee. I don't understand what they said, but people have told me I had them and I needed them. And the only backups I've ever had that have been successful when I've had a disaster, when I've either had to completely change a Mac-based rather than PC-based, but I was PC-based before, Windows-based, the only backups and disaster recovery that has ever worked has been cloud-based. I've never, ever, in all my years of being in business since the mid-90s, ever had a backup that's completely worked. So I completely agree with you on the cloud side of it. That's awesome. That's great to hear that you're already doing this, Simon. Uh, so hopefully it, it adds value to the listeners, but um, security doesn't have to be difficult. There are plenty of things you can do that take no time at all and make a huge impact on your risk posture. So um, you've given us a, um, some amazing tips, lots of them uh, to take away and some great things about the onboarding model. And you know, certainly for me, the acceptance of feedback, I think that's been a very, very important lesson to learn as well as these three key things about how we should look after our data uh, and you know certainly you're giving us some great things there simple things that we can do but very important things we can go to your website edendata.com exactly that right yep and look on linkedin for eden data and taylor uh, hersham is that how you Hers pronounce it yep Hers Hers yep uh, and find you on there listeners go out connect look at the content and reach out, find out about the services. You know, you've got a potential here to get a resource, particularly if you're a startup business, to get this on a subscription basis. Um, I don't know what the price levels are. I, I get no affiliate payout by mentioning this, but I take my security and my data very seriously. And one thing I encourage every single person listening to this podcast that you do the same. Because trust me, it will happen to you one day. And when it does the effects of it are catastrophic. You know, uh, having a server that doesn't reload data that's lost or getting fined by some authority because your data has been breached. Yeah, you don't want to do that. So definitely reach out to Taylor and the team at Eden. Final question then, Taylor. Slight difference to what you might have on your list. If you were to have your next latte, your dream latte in a dream location, where would that be? Oh, wow. This is a good one. Um, I think that the for now, my dream latte is still the one that I get to make every day. Uh, I okay. haven't found one better, but okay. where I would drink it, I've bucket list number one item, Tokyo, Japan, sitting in a little cafe, really? Tokyo, uh, drinking an amazing latte uh, would be, you know what, let's say matcha latte, actually, because matcha lattes are delicious and not as big here in yeah, the US. Yeah. That's my that's my okay. dream right there. Perfect. Final element of that question, what time of day? 
Oh, I drink coffee all day, unfortunately. But uh, I, I would say you're saying uh, when what would yeah, be the in, ideal in, time? in Tokyo? Yeah, what would be you know would it be looking at the you know the Japanese sunset or the Japanese sunrise or some somewhere in the middle? I mean, if we're getting super specific, I'd love to be drinking a coffee in the morning at the Cherry Blossom Festival in March in Japan. Like uh, oh. that would be like the ideal scenario. That's um, it. But That's definitely it. We've got. That's it. We've all got the picture now and we can all visualize it and we can all all see that right with you there. So uh, <laughs> thanks it. for sharing that. And, uh, you know, we, we hope that many of us get to go to these dream locations sometime soon. Taylor, you've been an amazing guest. You've given us some amazing tips. Um, you've shared some great insights into your business and to what we can do in our businesses. Thank you very much for your time. It's appreciated. And I hope that the heat is manageable sometime today. It gets a little bit cooler and yeah i've never known anybody other than people in really hot climates be envious of us being in our low 80s <laughs> thank you for your thank time you so. thank you very much simon and listeners as you know this is part of my mission to help you be more aware better educated and be accountable so don't just listen to the three things that taylor gave us today do something with it go out there you know, find out more about them and the way that they can help you with your data and your information. But do those three things. Look at your password protection. Look at the cloud-based and you know, embrace those three things that you know, Taylor's given us today and look at feedback as well. And I look forward to having you all on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.